0: Good evening, everyone. It is so good to be here tonight with y'all. Um, tonight, we are getting so close to fin- finishing our journey through the book of Colossians, where we have been for 15 years, for four chapters. Now, it's only been like like five months um, for four chapters of a book. Uh, so I have been thinking with this week in particular about the call towards community, the call towards interdependence. The call to not do life in isolation from one another. And I was thinking about the movie Up. Disney, Pixar's Up. You guys all know it. You guys all love it. I do. Um, you have Russell, right? And Russell, the, the little wilderness explorer, his greatest desire is to get his assisting the elderly badge so that he could move on in his journey of wilderness explorerness, And uh, he is is dead set on getting this last badge. So he goes to an elderly person, being Carl, and he is trying to assist the elderly. The only problem is that the elderly doesn't want to be assisted very much at all. Even though he is lonely, he's a widower, he needs help, he needs company. But he continues to refuse and push away Russell time and time again, even sending him on on a literal journey towards finding an imaginary snipe, uh, all kinds of craziness, right? All in his effort to not receive any actual help from this kid. See, in our world, we live in a world that is focused so much on self-reliance, this I got this mentality. Within me, I can sense it, this desire where I am often terrible at asking for or receiving help. Um, I was thinking about the way that that's played out in my life recently. Um, the, the, the quickest example that came to my mind when I was prepping um, was a recent occurrence that happened with Allie, my wife. Uh, she is so great at taking care and managing like so much of our life, and my life in particular, and our, all of our kids' lives. Like She's just awesome like that. So one of, the, one of the areas that I take care of is the finances, making sure that the bills are paid, the budget's updated, all that kind of stuff. The only problem is that that has seemed more and more overwhelming. And like, if any of you have ever budgeted, if you start falling behind, it's really hard to get back ahead. So I have just been feeling so overwhelmed for the last few months with our finances. And Allie keeps saying, I can help give like, I'll take some of it. What, what, what's the easiest stuff for you to offload? And it was so hard for me to even want to have the conversation because I'm like, you're handling so much. I can handle this. my problem is I wasn't handling it very well. The reality is that for so many of us, we um, we can think in the mindset of like one of the cheesiest, most cliche lines that a villain will say in any movie. Where he says, where the villain, he or she might say, if you want it done right, then you got to go do it yourself. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like that mentality towards life. If you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Other people are going to slow you down. Other people are going to disappoint you. Other people are going to frustrate you. I got to have it. Now, in a world where we have begun to prioritize even our personal spiritual journeys over any version of our corporate spiritual journey where we are only thinking about what is going on in my life, not realizing the effect, the interdependence that even our spiritual journeys are meant to have with one another, our missional journeys with one another. And now, is there value in me having time alone with Jesus and intimacy? Absolutely. We all need that in our lives. But the problem is, is that's not all we are meant for. We are meant for that one-on-one time with Jesus. We're also meant to do life together in community. So we end up missing out on so much of the beauty that's there. So we've been journeying through the book of Colossians. We're now ending our series next week. And as we've been journeying through, we have learned so much about this community that Paul is writing to, this church in Colossae, that they were being called to do life in community well, that they were being reminded that they are truly better together than they are apart. They are not the sum of their parts. It's a multiplicative, multiplicative effect. That as they were doing life together, their influence, their abilities would actually be, uh, would expand because of that. Now, in Paul's conclusion, he is going to give like the end credits of the movie, where we're going to see a lot of different names listed. And in that, in this host of names, each of these individuals that is being named, there is a story that goes behind each one of them. Each individual is being memorialized in this writing. Now, I get it. If you are anything like me, whenever you are reading the Bible and you see a list of names, you start off reading the first one, maybe half of the second name, because it was pretty long. And then you read the last name, and then you keep going from there. Because you're like, I'm sure, like, it's fine. Keep going. But what I want us to see is that in the Bible, there is nothing that is written there that is only there because of formality. That even in a list of names, there can be value, beauty, and truth. In other words, what we are going to see is the story tonight behind some of these names that are listed for Paul. We're going to kind of get like many stories of each of these individuals. And what it's going to amass to is the idea that we can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart. I'll say that again. We can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart. So tonight we're gonna be looking at these in in credit scene and then we're gonna be in Colossians chapter four. If you have one of the beautiful blues, one of the Mosaic Bibles, they are always in the back. If you would like one, they are always free of charge. Even if you wanna borrow it for the night or borrow it until the the pages fall out. Whatever you want, those are for you. If you are reading out of a beautiful blue, we're on page 1089. So let's look at, let's start off on actually 1,088. We're going to start in verse seven. So let's start there. Tychicus, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So, where we, uh, where um, a few years ago, if you were here, we were journey through the book of Ephesians. And we actually started that series by inviting Tychicus onto our stage. You guys remember that if you were here back then? Um, Tychicus, uh, otherwise known as Stephen Trafton, who is a, a, an actor who specializes in memorizing entire, uh, entire, letters of the, entire letters of the New Testament. And what he does is he comes and does it as a dramatic monologue. It was really cool. But he was Tychicus bringing the letter that was originally brought by the original Tychicus to the church in Ephesus. And that same Tychicus is carrying this letter also to the church in Colossae. Now, why does that matter? because Tychicus was a trusted letter carrier for Paul. Now, this doesn't make him the ancient version of the postal service, even though that is an admirable and worthy undertaking in and of itself. But more than just carrying the letter and saying, here you go, He was trusted in three ways. He was Paul's orator. In other words, it was his job to actually memorize the way that Paul wanted the letter to be read with the right enunciations and the right emphasis on the right words. Everything needed to be precise to the way Paul meant for it to be read. That's a big deal. He was also supposed to be the commentator that when they would start having questions about that, he'd be able to say, now this is what Paul meant when he was saying, this is what was going on. Now you understand all this. And he was also the clarifier that wherever there was concerns or confusion that he could bring clarity into those spaces. Now that sounds like a pretty big deal, right? especially since there was not a version of FaceTime back in the ancient world. They couldn't go, hold on, let me, let me just send a direct message really quick and find out exactly what he meant when he wrote that. No, he needed to have all that in, in his mind long before he'd set off on this trail to call Assai so that he would be able to faithfully represent Paul in his thoughts in this space. And this is because, as we've talked about before, Paul is in chains, He was not getting this letter or his encouragement to this church on his own. He was in prison. So he needed the partnership of Tychicus to do this. So Tychicus... And then you get Onesimus. Now, here's the interesting thing about Onesimus. One, we're actually going to get into his story in greater detail in a few months uh, in the book of Philemon. It's going to be so good. Uh, But just so you get a little bit of his context, a little bit of his story, is Onesimus was a runaway slave from the city of Colossae. Now, that's a big deal because after he ran away and escaped his, uh, his master, he went and, and by the providence of God was introduced to Paul. He meets Paul and he ends up coming to Christ with Paul, discipled by Paul, becomes a faithful brother in Christ with Paul. And now Onesimus is being sent back to his hometown to accompany Tychicus. And that's a big deal. And look at why. And look at the way that he talks about about Onesimus. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. Now that phrase, it's important. Now, obviously he is a Colossian as well, but more than that, he is now a faithful brother in the family of God. He's been adopted in the forever family of God, along with those who were in this early church. They might've known him as a slave, but now he's a beloved brother. And they need to recognize that. Have you ever come across somebody, maybe it's somebody you haven't seen since your child in her high school or something, and it's hard for you to, like, to think about them as, a, as like 10 years have passed. And it's so easy to kind of, when you, when you talk to them, you're like, think of only the old version of them. You're not like thinking about who they could be right now. They need to remember that Onesimus is a new creation, an adopted brother in the family of God. And between him and Tychicus with their new identity and with their faithful calling, they were partnering with Paul to carry this message to him, to this church. And that's why he says, they will tell you of everything that's taken place here, everything that Paul has been dealing with. These two are being trusted to carry that message forward. And it reminds me of that central truth. We can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart Apart from Tychicus and Onesimus, Paul's letter wasn't going anywhere out of Rome. But with them, they could understand his heart, his care, the truth that he was bringing. Now, let's continue in verses 10 and 11. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, well, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Now, these are a bunch of names here, and we're not going to go into all of them. But each one of them have been individuals who have been sitting in prison with Paul. They have partnered with him in the middle of persecution, in the middle of imprisonment. They are sitting there and they are encouraging and lifting up one another. Where Paul says at the end, and they have been a comfort to me. But there is only one individual here that I really want to get into tonight. Now, way back in the book of Acts, um, this was ten, this is recorded from 10 years before this letter was written. There was an incident that happened between Paul and a guy named Mark. Now, what had happened was they were on a missionary journey together. Paul, Barnabas, and Mark. Mark and Barnabas were cousins. They were on this missionary journey and things got really scary and hairy. So what ends up happening is Mark freaks out and leaves. He he ghosts Paul. He just abandons him and leaves him there. He does not know what to do. So he abandons him. Now, a few, um, sometime later, they're back in Jerusalem all together. And Paul and Barnabas are talking about going out in, on a missionary journey together to check up on some of the churches that they had planted. And when they are talking about that, Barnabas is like, perfect, I'm going to invite my cousin Mark to come. And Paul's like, no, dude, build on us. This is a terrible idea. Why would we do that? And from that, it says that they divided And Barnabas took Mark and Paul took another guy named Silas and they went on their separate ways. Their relationship was left in tatters. This disagreement destroyed the relationship. Now, this is Paul, the guy who always calls for unity. And here he is living in disunity. It's funny, one time I actually found an article online by somebody. It was like it was written like, It was written today, but it was like Paul was walking around right now leading a church somewhere in the country. And the guy was like basically calling for the cancellation of the apostle Paul because of this. Like, this guy always calls for unity, but he was being disunified. This guy is the worst. He's just such a hypocrite. Which is kind of funny because Paul didn't really, wasn't able to write a response to that. But also, more specifically, because in this we find out that Paul didn't stay unreconciled. Do you see that? Let's go back to where this comes from. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas is mentioned here that he is greeting this church in Colossae, that there has clearly been reconciliation in the middle of this. Now that was not Paul's best moment, but the the beautiful part about Jesus, he doesn't forget about us based on our worst moments. Instead, he reconciles the unreconcilable. He brings redemption where redemption seems so evidently impractical, impossible. So last we heard, these two were separated, and now they have come back together. Back together to the point where Paul can now issue a greeting, and Barnabas, the cousin, is now, hey, by the way, if Barnabas is coming into your town, cool. Receive him. It's going to be so good. Throw out the welcoming, welcoming committee. It'll be so awesome. Awesome. Now, here's three reasons why this reconciliation matters. Because it's of life, of gospel, and of mission. See, life, just plain, plain is just too short to stay bitter, distrusting, and unreconciled. Just too short. But the gospel of Jesus is too good. It's too good. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way Jesus has forgiven the, unre- the, the unforgivable in you so that we can now forgive the unforgivable in others. The gospel of Jesus is just too good. It's too sweet. It's too beautiful. And the mission of God is too big. We have been called to carry the gospel to the nations, to make disciples together everywhere we go. And it's going to require all hands on deck. And for Paul to hold on to his hurt from Mark would have stopped him from seeing the comfort that could be he could receive and the comfort that he could give to a faithful brother in Christ. So Paul was living in all of this in the simple statement displaying this reconciliation that he is able to issue a greeting on behalf of Mark. Otherwise, he would just leave him out. We can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart. Now look at the benefit that this has for Paul, that he's able to say, they've been a comfort for me. They've been fellow workers for the kingdom of God with me. So these are names that Paul—that they may or may not know, but now Paul's gonna get to a list of names that they're definitely gonna know in Colossae because many of them are actually from Colossae. So verses 12 through 15, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Now Luke, this the beloved physician, he greets you as well, and so does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So first we have Epaphras is mentioned. Um, we're not gonna go into great detail on him, but he was, we've talked about him before in chapter one of Colossians. He was, um, his care, his emphasis was put in that, in that um, opening line. And in that, it's because Epaphras actually helped start this church in Colossae. That he was, one of the, that he was the, the church planner who helped start this, this church, but it since moved on. He went and planted other churches in, in Laodicea and Heropolis. And now he's with Paul. So, he's far away, but his care has never stopped. He continues to struggle with them in prayer. His love for them has never stopped, no matter the distance. His long-distance relationship to them cannot be quenched. And then you gets to Luke. Now, you've probably heard of Luke before. He wrote the, the gospel according to Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts, which records the entire journey of Paul, as well as the entire early church and the movement of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the early church movement. And both these individuals were great partners with Paul, who had great care and affection for the church in Colossae. And then in verse 15, we have Nympha. Now, it mentions, here's what it says about Nympha, and to Nympha and the church in her house. So, Something to know about the early church. They didn't didn't have buildings like this that they could own. It actually was illegal for them to be able to own, um, own property for a few hundred years. There was no temple for Christianity in the Roman Empire or in Jerusalem. Instead, they would often meet in homes they had a house gathering concept where they would spread out across the um, the different regions of a major city. And there would be house gatherings that were all led with a central eldership structure. So as these house gatherings would all form, they would take the place in the house, usually of wealthy people. Now, Nympha is one of those individuals who was so generous and wonderful to open up her home, most likely the courtyard in her home, so that others could come in and worship Jesus together. And Paul makes specific note of her. Now, the early church, just as the church today, must be filled with the important partnerships and contributions of women and men. And in this church, it was no different. And for Paul, he wanted to extend a special greeting to Nympha for her partnership, her contribution in the midst of this church and Colossae, that she, he would extend a specific greeting to her. See, we can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart. Now, verse 16 and 17, and this is where we'll land tonight. And when this letter has been read to you, among you, have it also read to the church of the Laodiceans. And see to it that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, again, this may seem on the surface like not a very exciting thing to say, but here's why this actually gets me pretty excited. Because sometimes, if you are anything like me, you may wonder, why do these letters matter? Why do they matter? These were written to a different group of people a long, long time ago. What does it really matter to me and to my life today? Well, Paul knew something about this letter, even as he was writing it, that it carried a message that was not just applicable to the immediate the immediate audience it was intended for. So that he could say, hey, after you're done with the letter, send it to Laodicea and get the Laodicean's letter and take it to you and you guys read it. That you guys can actually benefit from the wisdom that's in each one of these letters. And this is because the words of scripture are living and active, are guided by the spirit of God. They are perfect. They are helpful for correction, for heart transformation. And Paul saw these letters that he was writing as valuable, as carrying significance beyond just the intended audience. That if these words were applicable to the church in Laodicea, then they could also be applicable to us today, right here. The word of God is beautiful. And then finally, he talks about a guy named Archippus. Tell Archippus, and he delivers a specific message to Archippus. Archippus. It's believed that Archippus at this point is one of the lead elders of the church in Colossae at this point. So he is encouraging him by saying, don't forget the call that is on your life. Remember how great it is. That we are partnering with you. You are not forgotten. We can do more to advance the gospel together than we can apart. Now, we ran through a bunch of mini stories tonight, each one beautiful. Each one displaying the gospel. Each one revealing our need for others. Sometimes the apostle Paul can be put on a pedestal. I don't think he'd like that. There you go, like, well, of course, like Paul, he wrote all these letters. He's like this, he like went and planted churches all over the ancient world, all this stuff. But the reality is, is all Paul was doing was being faithful the best that he could to what God had called him to do. And he needed the partnership of others to do it. If it was all Paul on his own, he is done for. He needed all these individuals listed just to get this letter across. And we need one another. We need one another. Each of us needs to remember that truth and combat the lies of our day that says that we are better off on our own, where we relativize truth to our own individual judgment. And instead, we need to see the beauty of our interconnectedness. In a small way, I have learned over the last couple of weeks how wonderful it is to invite Ali in on um, helping managing the finances. She's doing such a good job helping. It's been like taking like 10 pounds off my back at least. Uh, I have seen within this community the incredible group of volunteer ministry leaders who helps shepherd, care for, and walk through life with each of their individual ministries that make up this campus, I have seen it in you guys as we support and love one another. I have seen it in Carl when he discovers that he needs Russell and Russell needs him. That they had something to offer to one another. And that we would remember that we are truly better together than we are apart. Now, will we disappoint one another? absolutely. Will we have fights? Will we have disagreements? Will we have differing opinions? Of course. But as the family of God, we have the opportunity to receive this type of help that each of us truly needs. And that includes Paul. And it's the type of help that only family can offer. So the question is, will you see, will I see, will we see our need for one another? That we would partner together with other imperfect people who are going to get it wrong to make much of Jesus in the middle of a broken world? that's my hope. That's Paul's hope. That's Jesus' hope for his church. Now shifting gears just a little bit. As a church, one of the ways that we live in this is by being a part of a story bigger than just our single context. So as a church, we belong, um, we are, we partner together in a global family of church planning churches called Acts 29. Now, it's a major way in which we utilize the resources that God has entrusted to us as a church to benefit the church outside of just our walls and benefits church plants all across the globe, both domestically and internationally. And it's really cool. Some of our staff even help equip, coach, assess, give care, guidance to these church planners in context that are unbelievable, with challenges that are far beyond anything I could imagine. But we have the opportunity to partner together, that we would believe that we are better together than we are apart. And we as a church also benefit from this association, from this partnership. And I'll just speak for me personally. Um, I benefit greatly from Acts 29. For the last six years, I've been able to be a part of different cohorts, different trainings, different assessments. All this stuff has been so beneficial for, for myself, for Allie, for our marriage, for our ministry. It's been phenomenal. The biggest way, though, was last year when we were stuck in China for two months adopting Asher. When we were stuck there, it was a church that we, our only connection was through Acts 29 that they took care of us, they called the government, they went to meetings with us, they fed us, they had us in their homes most nights and every week. We were cared for, loved, and surrounded. And in that moment, Ali and I could give them nothing in return. But we had to realize that we are better together than we are apart. So I'm thankful for the ongoing support and ministry that we are a part of as being a part of Acts 29. And I wanted to fill you guys in a little bit more on the vision towards Acts 29. Um, we're going to play a video in just a moment. And then right after the video, um, Gabe and Mello uh, are, are, are joining us tonight. Gabe is our missions pastor. And uh, Mello has been a church planning resident who's prepping to go out and plant a wonderful church um, in Apopka. So, um, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and start the video.
1: x29 is a global network of over 700 churches worshiping in 50 countries with nearly 30 languages and we are committed to planting healthy multiplying churches in every corner of the world god is a global god and that he works through different ethnicities and cultures and languages around the world being faithful to god's great commission
2: to make disciples and to plan churches churches characterized by theological clarity cultural engagement and missional innovation we believe that uh, the church is god's primary mission strategy for establishing his kingdom and his presence on earth we want to reach people with the gospel and our
1: reach is amplified through acts 29 as a network, so more people will know and worship Each one of our members has been blessed by all the training that we have received as planters.
2: We want our church to be a praying church and also a church that disciples others. This is what we
0: do and this is who we are. We are people who plant churches.
1: So, Acts 29 accomplishes its mission uh, primarily through three things, by assessing potential church planters. We provide continued assistance for churches and leaders through coaching, trainings, and also relational connection. We get to collaborate with the whole Bride of Christ to plant churches, not only just in our areas, but we partner globally to plant churches. And as we partner together with Acts 29, with churches around the world, our efforts are multiplied and God is glorified when we work together as a church. This is Acts 29. This is Acts 29. This is Acts 29. This is Acts 29. This
2: is Acts 29. 29. Awesome. This is what we get to be a part of as a church. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: It's good stuff.
2: So I hope you caught that in the video. It talked about collaboration, that when we collaborate as the body of Christ, our efforts are multiplied. And we have definitely seen that as a church being a part of Acts 29. And and tonight, we just want to share some of the ways, um, some examples of what that looks like. So first off, about a month ago, um, some of you may know Randall Morcom. You guys know him? So Randall, I had the privilege of of traveling with Randall about a month ago as he moved over uh, to Cape Town, South Africa uh, to work with an organization that we partner with called Hope Africa Collective. They're doing some amazing uh, work, transforming people's lives in in the communities, in the townships. So super excited to go over there with Randall and see him get established there and start working with this organization. But while we were there, uh, I was able to connect with some of the Acts 29 pastors in Cape Town. And um, as we talked to them, found out they, they were unaware of Hope Africa and Hope Africa was unaware of them. But now they're connected to one another. Now they know each other. We're able to make those introductions and they're excited to begin partnering together. Uh, for the gospel's sake throughout Cape Cape Town. So really, really cool. So we want to see that kind of collaboration globally, and we want to see that locally.
1: Absolutely. And and one of the ways that we do that locally is we actually have this monthly gathering at the Winter Garden campus called the Acts 29 uh, Central Florida Gathering. And essentially, this is a group of about 30 or so pastors that that come together, meet at uh, Mosaic Church. We have lunch together. And we just kind of encourage each other. We, we hear about the different ministry dynamics that are going on in each of their local churches. And, and it's just a great way to get to know these guys. And, and, and some of us even preach at each other's churches as well. And so it's just a great way to be able to promote healthy gospel-centered churches in Central Florida, and it's, it's dope that we get the chance to be a part of that.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you? How are you involved? How does this affect you? And so I just want to let you know on a little something, if you, in case you're unaware, that if you are faithful here at the Disney campus, if you are, are, are giving your time, your treasure, your talents here in this story, you're a part of this bigger story. Because, you can
1: clap on that one. Yeah. You can clap on that one.
2: So as a church, Mosaic Church, we've been able to come alongside church planners and and to help resource them. And so uh, as a church... Um, The last several years, we've taken up Christmas Eve offerings. And so a couple of years ago, we took up a Christmas Eve offering for a church plant in in, uh, North Adams, Massachusetts called Terra Nova. And through that Christmas Eve offering, they were able to get into a new building and to a facility uh, that would be a multi-purpose facility where they could do ministry out of that space in their city, which was really cool. Uh, And then this last uh, Christmas Eve, this past one, we were able to come alongside a local church planner here in Orlando Cam Triggs, uh, his church is called Grace Alive. Right before Christmas, uh, their apartment caught fire and they lost everything in this fire. And so uh, we had other plans actually for our Christmas Eve offering. And then when we heard the news about the the fire, we decided to pivot as a church and say, let's give this towards them instead and able to help restore what was lost in that fire. Um, And then most recently, uh, we were able to give towards an initiative that, Acts 29 has going on this year to come alongside church planters in under resourced areas and hard spaces and to be able to, to come alongside them with resources. So we're talking about uh, church planters planting in rural areas where there's not a lot of resources because they're, they're super rural, uh, whether that's here in the U S or in countries around the world, where we're talking about planting in uh, mountain villages or jungle villages or things. Um, and then also uh, in, Churches planting in urban areas where there's under-resourced, and you know places like the townships in Cape Town, uh, and and then uh, as a church, uh, which uh, we all get to do this together, we get to support and fund. Uh, this year alone, we're we're supporting 23 church planters uh, on a monthly basis who are planting churches here in Florida, in the Northeast, in Latin America, and beyond.
1: And, and here's the thing is to, I see you guys trying to clap. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good <laughs> clap. That's a good, I see you guys trying to clap. You're going to get your clap, brother. You're going to get your clap. Uh, um, and man, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Kevin Franklin. Kevin Franklin planted uh, Beloved Church in Claremont. And, and, and here's the thing um, Ke- Kevin was a, re- a resident at Mosaic. He had the chance to be able to, to sit in some of our meetings and to learn and, and to see how we do ministry and to really help him plant well uh, when he launched Beloved Church. And here's the thing. Uh, Kevin probably did not anticipate a pandemic was going to come the following year. If he did, he probably would not want to plant. But here's the good news. Uh, Throughout the pandemic and even now, I think it's been over two years. um, Beloved Church is doing incredibly well. The gospel is continuing to be preached so you can praise (laughs) God for that. And and God has been faithful. And so when I see stories like that and how uh, just our contribution and support. Um, through mosaic and helping them prepare, I get excited because as a church planter resident, um, we are also anticipating uh, this year September that we'll be sent out by mosaic to launch one family church in Apopka, Florida. So we are excited about that. And 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 it's it's just amazing to be able to know that even you know, we're supporting those who may have come from outside and, and spent some time with us, and we sent them out, and, and I get to be one of those guys that, that is a part of Mosaic from within and being sent out by our family, and so uh, we are praying for uh, more and more people to be able to kind of join our team as we prepare to launch in Apopka uh, this year, and um, just so be praying for us as you think about us, and we had a great interest meeting today, and I think uh, uh, we had a great turnout, and so we're excited to see what God's going to be doing there.
2: Yeah, so you guys, we just invite you guys, uh, be praying for Melo and for for everyone that's going to be a part of this church plant in Apopka. As over the summer, uh, we begin to work towards this launch uh, in September. Be praying for them, and and that's one way that you guys can can partner with us. And 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 it's not a small way. Prayer is huge. Like we need to see God open doors for the gospel in Apopka. So be praying for that. And let's just take a few minutes right now. I'm gonna pray for us. And will you join me as I pray for what God's doing here at the Disney campus, as well as through Acts 29 and through plants like One Family. God, we thank you so much for your love and grace. God, we thank you that we get to be a part of this story. God, that you are doing a work in us and through us here at The Disney campus, God, and through all the churches that we're a part of through Acts 29. God, we thank you for uh, Melo and for the the call that you placed on him to to plant this church in Apopka. God, we pray for your favor and grace, uh, and just God, that your kingdom would advance throughout our city, God. We wanna see uh, more and more people come to know you, God, and we know that you are still in the business of rescuing and saving. So, God, I thank you for open doors for the gospel here at the Disney campus at One Family in Apopka, at Mosaic and Winter Garden, God, and uh, throughout the churches where we're partnering with, with through Acts 29. God, would you continue to just advance your kingdom? We thank you for that, Lord, in your name. Amen.